Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us on this day after Christmas. I hope that you all had yourself a merry little Christmas and uh, that you don't have too many gifts that have to be returned. Uh, speaking of returning gifts, uh, I really related uh, to this uh, post that I saw. Uh, maybe you can relate to it too. It says, someone just honked to get me out of my parking spot faster. So uh, now I have to sit here until both of us are dead. And uh, I don't know if there's anything in you that connects with that, but uh, you know, uh, I have found that um, uh, one of my uh, resolutions this year is uh, I want to drive more like an adult. In fact, uh, I find myself when somebody gets a little too close behind me, kind of tailgating, uh, maybe you do this too, I slow down a bit. In fact, I, I like it when somebody's really riding my uh, rear end and uh, we go by one of those signs that blinks and says, slow down. And so I do. I slow down to the fullest extent of the law and uh, had a guy behind me the other day weaving uh, all over the road saying, come on. <laughs> so I've determined that my resolution for 2022 is to drive more like an adult. I think that'll be a keystone habit, have other repercussions uh, in my life. Uh, well, I, before we jump into this uh, message uh, this weekend, I do want to say, uh, if you look at the U version, if you haven't already downloaded that free app, it's a great resource, has all kinds of translations of the Bible, excellent reading plans, especially for the new year ahead. And if you'll search in the lower right-hand corner, the menu, uh, events, search for Arlington FM, you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, speaking of resources, uh, parents, uh, since we're doing church at home this weekend, if you got some little ones in the house, uh, let me direct you to some excellent resources. Uh, these are kids, family church resources that you could watch hopefully this morning. Uh, if you'll go to YouTube, just search for The Loop Show. Uh, you'll find uh, all kinds of uh, children's, youth, uh, toddler uh, activities that you can do to have church at home with your kids. And then also uh, on our website, uh, but you can enter this uh, into your own search bar, theparentq.org, and you will come up with a, a specific uh, family-related activity for today that you could do at home uh, together. Well, speaking of doing church at home, uh, before we jump into this message, you know, I did want to uh, invite you, wherever you're at, to join me in a prayer for our neighbors. You know, the Bible is very clear in saying that uh, God positions us strategically uh, so that he can reach people. In fact, in the book of Acts, uh, Paul really says that uh, God has strategically placed people where they're at to give them the greatest chance of finding their way back to him. And as followers of Christ, we get to be a part of that. I firmly believe that wherever you are at, God has placed you there for the extension of his kingdom. And uh, so join me right now as we say a prayer for our neighbors, uh, wherever they happen to be. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for your life in us. Uh, thank you that we don't have to go somewhere to find you, that you've come to us in fact, we've just celebrated this wonderful season where we declare the truth, Emmanuel, God is with us. And so, Lord, thank you 
for your presence right now in our homes. Uh, however chaotic they may be, uh, thank you that you're okay being in the middle of our lives. And we would just say a prayer right now for our neighbors. Uh, Lord, you know exactly uh, where each of our neighbors are at. You know what's going on behind closed doors. You know what their needs are. And Lord, you love them. And your greatest desire is to bring them into a relationship with yourself through Christ. And so we would just pray right now, God, that your, your reach would go to them. And that, Lord, we would open ourselves up to being your light, your salt, your truth, uh, your ambassadors. Those, Lord, who bring that message of reconciliation that in Christ, God is no longer counting our sins against us, but we can be new creations in him. And so, Lord, uh, bring your neighbors uh, our neighbors to yourself and use us uh, to draw them in. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, well, uh, we are in a series called The Dawn Treaders, and it's from Paul's amazing uh, letter to his friends in Rome. And uh, we've been coming out of a, a verse that we'll actually end with today, Romans 13, verse 12, where Paul says, uh, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light. You know, as Paul has written to his friends uh, in Rome, he's really given them the big picture of faith that uh, from a global perspective, from a universal historical perspective, uh, God created a people in his image. He created people to have dominion in the earth, to live victorious and creative and innovative lives as expressions of their relationship with him but the big story uh, says that mankind drifted away from god and uh the further we drifted from god uh the more chaotic our world became and uh, god not content with that reached for us uh, through the person of jesus christ and as paul uh, describes these grand schemes he really brings it down to a personal level and he says you know what brings us from darkness into light, from drifting away from God to uh, drawing near to God and fulfilling his great plan for our lives is our faith. It all comes down to our uh, belief uh, that God is good, that God is with us, and that God has a plan for our lives. This was the faith of Abraham that Paul talked about. When in the midst of his darkness, uh, Abraham had a thought, had a revelation that God is my shield and God is my great reward. And God noticed that and he reckoned it to Abram as righteousness and he opened up his phenomenal plan to Abram's life. And uh, he invites us into that same kind of faith. Uh, when we have that, the faith of Abraham, it leads us to Jesus Christ, that all of God's promise is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, I saw an amazing story this last week of a man who was completely 100% blind. And uh, as he was engaged in this interview, uh, the, the person, the correspondent asked him, were you born blind? Or is this something that happened later in life? And he said, well, I was born with a condition, a progressive condition. And uh, as I grew, my eyesight became worse and worse. And as a teenager, uh, there was a point at which I became completely 100% blind. And uh, as he talked about his, his journey, he said, at that point, I felt my life was over. It felt like at every turn, there was this uh, 
immovable wall that hemmed me in. And uh, I felt like that was the end of my life. Well, the amazing thing about this man is he went on to overcome uh, his limitations and his barriers. In fact, he climbed Mount Everest, the first blind person to do so. Uh, he kayaked the Grand Canyon, and uh, he talked about uh, learning to lean into his other senses, and uh, life began to open up to him again in a profound way. Well, I think that's the nature of faith, that uh, as Paul describes uh, this faith that allows us to see that God is good, that God is all-powerful, and God has made a way for us to return to himself. Uh, when we begin to lean into that faith, uh, the walls start becoming quite so immovable. We start seeing our way beyond the limitations of a darkened world. And uh, as Paul describes this life of faith, he, he points out certain faith killers, uh, things that will stop us dead in our tracks. Uh, one of them is thinking that uh, we don't really need God's wisdom. We don't need God's strength, that we can kind of somehow keep God in a little compartment of our lives and pretty much do it on our own. Paul says that'll stop you uh, dead in your tracks. That'll recreate those limitations. Uh, he mentions a sense of religious superiority, that somehow my relationship with God makes me better than others. And uh, Paul uh, attacks that again and again. He says, hey, look, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And uh, those of us who are saved by his grace and mercy, the last thing we should entertain is a sense of being better than others. And, uh, and then Paul addresses this sense of presumption, uh, that because I begin in my faith that life is no longer about daily decisions that, that uh, involve life and death, uh, that are uh, severe in their consequences. Uh, Paul is saying that's not the nature of the world that we live in. In fact, uh, we refer to it as the death zone. Uh, but like this one climber in the story, 14 Peaks, he said, when I'm in the death zone, I come fully alive. And uh, that's a picture of how God wants to empower us to live well uh, within chaotic times. So uh, all of that uh, brings us to uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 31, where Paul kind of finishes his, uh, his great presentation of what it means to come back to God through faith in Jesus Christ and to get on a pathway where we're moving beyond the, the barriers and limitations of a life adrift from God and we're moving towards the promise and fulfillment of a life that's intimate with God. And uh, so if you can kind of pause for a second and get ready for the, the, the grand climax, the, the coup de grace, the height of Paul's uh, presentation on what it means to live by faith and to come out of darkness into the light of God. And so we look at Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, Paul then asks a good question. He says, given all these things that we've just rehearsed ever so briefly, what then shall we say in response to these things? Uh, shall we say, well, really? That's cool. Um, maybe we're sort of unresponsive. I mean, I know that God has done this amazing thing to bring me from death to life and uh, from a, a child of wrath to a child of God, from no future and no hope to a great inheritance. But uh, what should we do with all this, Paul is asking. And then here he begins to answer his own question. If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's really, uh, as Paul is 
himself reflecting on the truth he's presented to his friends. If all of these things indeed are true, the very least we can say is if God is for us, who can actually be against us? And see, this speaks to uh, opposition and intimidation uh, in our lives. And so I I would ask you this question. uh, Is there anyone in your life that is opposing you right now? And maybe it's not even overt. Maybe it's someone who's just critiquing you. Uh, You know, they're just, you're on their bad list for some reason. Uh, Maybe they make comments about you on social media. Uh, Maybe they uh, just give you a cold shoulder. You're no longer on their inner circle. Uh, Maybe it's a a former friend. Maybe it's a family member. You know, maybe you see uh, uh, people in government as uh, being your enemies, public enemy, number one, uh, politicians. Uh, Maybe it's some other religious folks. Maybe it's your own spouse. You know, it it doesn't have to be uh, someone who's entirely evil for us to experience opposition. Uh, I remember uh, getting a a job when I was taking a break from college, a term off to get ready for my wedding, and I was delivering furniture. And uh, the first week on the job, there was one of my bosses that just seemed to have it in for me. And whatever I did wasn't good enough. However quickly I responded to his request, it wasn't fast enough, wasn't thorough enough. And uh, after about a week of this, I was thinking about quitting. And uh, one of my other coworkers said, uh, why do you always listen to Russ? And I said, well, what do you mean? He's my boss, isn't he? He says, no, he's just another peon. <laughs> and uh, that guy had it in for me. And uh, I realized in that moment uh, that I was uh, reacting Uh, to an entirely false narrative. And uh, Paul is saying, look, uh, if God is for us, who can really be against us in any way that really matters? Now, here's the truth. Uh, People can hurt you. People can hinder your progress. People cannot approve of you. Uh, People can judge you. People can think bad things about you. But if God is for you, who can really be against you? And maybe at this point you're thinking, you know, my greatest opposition is myself. I can't seem to get out of my own way. My thoughts constantly trouble me. My bad habits are killing me. And here's something I would say. If that's your reaction, if that's where your opposition is coming from, you know, the Bible talks a lot about an evil personality called the devil, the Satan. One of his names is the accuser of God's people. And uh, if you're feeling like uh, your opposition that's doing you in, that's holding you back, that's hemming you in, is coming in your own thought life, uh, the devil's probably in there contending uh, against you. In fact, Jesus said he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But uh, I would say this, uh, if that's where your battle is, uh, you need to invite God into the ring. Because if God is for you, even that battlefield uh, has to give way to his authority and to his strength. And uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe if you're uh, someone who struggles with your thoughts, you know, it's hard for you to make progress because your thoughts are always reminding you of your, your failures. Now, Paul addresses that when he says, what shall we say of all these things that God has done for us in Christ? He says, he who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. 
will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know, uh, Paul's focus here is on the graciousness of God. And uh, the point he's trying to make is, look, if God emptied the bank uh, to make you right with himself, doesn't that indicate that he's also now going to give you everything you need to do well in life? And uh, see, this is God's willingness uh, to come to us when we don't feel worthy and to fill our cup, uh, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to remind us that we're loved in spite of the fact that we still have challenges to work through. Uh, I'm reminded uh, of the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. You probably know the story. Uh, A son took his inheritance shamed his father, moved to another country, squandered his wealth, ended up feeding the pigs, not a good occupation for a good Jewish boy. And finally, one day came to his senses. He decided he was better off being a servant in his father's household than he was out on his own. So he makes his way back. He's rehearsing how he's going to repent to his dad, how he's going to say, you know, just take me back as a hired hand. And uh, you know the story, the father sees him a long way off, runs to him, embraces him, uh, stops his speech in mid-sentence, says, no, 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 you're my son, you're my child, puts a robe on his back, sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, all signs of restored dignity. See, this is the father graciously giving his son all things. And Paul is saying, uh, look, as we reflect on what God has done through us, uh, for us, and made available to us simply through our faith, is uh, God is for us now. God is with us now. God is graciously giving us all things. And, uh, and then he begins to address those accusing thoughts that we all wrestle with from time to time. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Uh, Who then is the one who condemns? His answer is no one. Uh, See, uh, anyone, including your own internal voices, suggesting that you're a person that cannot, uh, God cannot bless, or that God even wants to bless. Uh, Paul is saying, look, we have this assurance that through what God has done in Christ, uh, no one can rightfully accuse us, not even ourselves. A charge brought against us. It would be something like this. How can God really love you when? Fill in the blank. Uh, How can you expect God's favor and goodwill when you? Fill in the blank. Uh, Those are accusations. Those are charges brought against us, meant to condemn us. And Paul would say, because of what God has done in Christ, who can really do that? God has acquitted us. He goes on. He says, look, Uh, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. And see, the admission is, uh, yes, we all have weaknesses. We all have faults. We all experience setbacks. But the truth is, Jesus died for those faults. He died for those weaknesses. Uh, He died for those setbacks. But more than that, Paul says, he's been raised to life. He's with you as you're going through that. And not only is he with you, he's at the right hand of God in a place of absolute authority. And as you're struggling to live out uh, these amazing truths, he's praying for you. 
And Paul is saying, look, uh, this should begin to change our orientation in how we do life and come to this conclusion. Uh, Paul says, who then can separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes through this litany. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, you think any of those are in your future? Uh, he goes on, or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, uh, it doesn't matter what hardships come into our lives. We've already made a decision. Whatever we go through, God's using it for good. And uh, if we're like sheep being slaughtered, we know it's only so that more of God's life can pour into us and through us into a world that desperately needs to meet him. Uh, you know, this would include things like tornadoes, floods, wildfires, pandemics, uh, hostilities, uh, politically, uh, economic meltdowns, relationship problems. Uh, Paul is saying, uh, look, in the world, we're going to have trouble. Jesus said it would be so. But because of what God has done in Christ and the relationship we now have with our Heavenly Father, it doesn't really matter what comes our way. Nothing can separate us from the love of God we have in Christ. And I couldn't help but think at this point of um, the Apostle Paul and his friend uh, Silas, who um, uh, in Acts chapter 16, they were just following God's will. They were doing what Jesus wanted them to do. Uh, they, in fact, they'd even changed their plans to go where they felt God's Spirit was leading them. And they end up in the Roman colony of Philippi, sharing with others the good news, the hope of Jesus. And they step on a landmine. Uh, they had set some uh, uh, girl free from a spirit that allowed her to uh, give prophecies. And uh, when she got liberated, the, the owners of this slave woman uh, realized their source of income was gone. They created a riot. They apprehended Paul and Silas. Uh, they had them uh, beaten with rods, stripped naked, uh, thrown in prison. And uh, I can only imagine uh, what it was like in that prison cell for uh, Paul and Silas. Uh, maybe they looked at each other in the middle of the night had a conversation. Uh, you still alive? You still breathing? Yeah, I think so. I think my nose might be broken. Yeah, I got a few ribs that uh, maybe need some help. Uh, what do you think? What did we do wrong? Uh, well, I don't think we did anything wrong. We were just walking obediently to the Spirit of Jesus, and things happened. And uh, somewhere in that prison cell, they made a decision. Let's sing. Let's sing some of the, the hymns that declare God's faithfulness, God's presence, God's strength. And uh, we're told uh, in Acts 16, as they begin to sing songs of praise and uh, to God, the other prisoners were listening in and something powerful happened. But the point is this. Uh, Paul learned uh, through those difficult times, uh, through the trials, through the hardships, through the opposition, through the setbacks, he learned nothing indeed can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. And if it's God who acquits us, who can really accuse us? Uh, who can condemn? And uh, amazing 
truths. Now, uh, Paul goes on. He says, look, uh, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hear that, the declaration of confidence. We are more than conquerors. He literally means overwhelmingly victorious. We gain uh, surpassing victories through Christ who loves us. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we need to pause here and think about what Paul is saying to us. You know, there's a, a saying that the, the greatest chasm that exists in the world is the distance between our heads and our hearts. And I think that's exactly what Paul is, is getting at here, is we have these amazing things that are true of us in Christ. And if we have the simple faith of Abram, we simply believe that God is our reward and he's our shield. And that brings us uh, into uh, relationship as his beloved children through our faith in Christ. Uh, we can have all that in our head, uh, but in our hearts, we're not quite getting it. You were facing our future more with uh, fear and trepidation than we are with confidence and expectation. And uh, I would ask you the question, uh, what needs to happen uh, for that knowledge about what is true in Christ to go from our heads and into our hearts where it changes our outlook on life. Uh, I was uh, thinking of one really dark uh, uh, reality being described. Uh, there's a, a, a common occurrence happening now with children who live in refugee camps, and uh, they call this uh, occurrence resignation comas. And what they're finding is that these children who have suffered incredible hardship and abuse are actually withdrawing from reality, and in some cases going into a, a, a deep physical coma. Uh, and it's, uh, it's fascinating, really, to um, think that uh, we can be so beaten down, uh, hurt by the realities of life, that we can go into a, a self-induced, self-protective coma. And, uh, you know, I think uh, sometimes uh, in our world, without even knowing it, we kind of distance ourselves from the truth about God and Christ, and it stays on the head level and doesn't go into our hearts where it changes the way we view and experience our lives. In 2 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul talks about thoughts in our minds that actually lift themselves up against the knowledge of God. They barricade us, uh, sort of like those, those uh, invisible walls that blind man felt when he first became 100% blind. He said, my life is over. Everywhere I turned, all I saw was this impenetrable barrier. And Paul says our thoughts can become like that, where these amazing truths about God being for us, having justified us, having acquitted us, Christ dying, Christ living, Christ interceding for us, graciously giving us all things. And God wants to break through those walls and help us begin to live lives that are fuller and more dynamic. Well, uh, Paul ends this celebration of the goodness of God with this uh, amazing declaration. Here's what he says, uh, for I'm convinced, I've become convinced, uh, life has taught me and my walk with Jesus has driven this from my mind into my heart. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, no depth, 
nor anything else in all of creation. That pretty much encompasses just about anything that we can encounter. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, uh, as we uh, have a prayer together, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, putting aside the deeds of darkness and uh, stepping in, putting on the armor of light. Well, this is exactly what that means. Uh, putting aside the deeds of darkness, sure, it can mean putting to death some of the things in our lives that we know are displeasing to God, and that's part of it. But putting aside the deeds of darkness is also uh, living with a sense that uh, we know these things are true, but they haven't really penetrated our hearts. And sometimes uh, we need to, like Paul and Silas, go through some very harsh realities. And in, in that prison cell, in that dungeon, when it seems like we've experienced our worst defeat, we come to realize God is still for me. God is still graciously inclined towards me. I've still been acquitted. I'm still just in his sight. Who is there to condemn? Uh, Jesus has risen. He's with me. He's for me. He's praying for me. Uh, sometimes uh, those realizations don't come until we have nothing else to hope in but our relationship with God through Christ. Uh, would you join me uh, in a prayer? Father, thank you uh, for the amazing love that you have for people. Uh, thank you for the amazing love that you have for us. And just personalize it right now. Uh, wherever you're at, uh, say, Father, thank you that you are for me. And uh, even when my heart suggests otherwise, I have the witness of your truth that if God did not spare his own son, uh, let that just kind of uh, light on your mind for a moment. Uh, will he not also with his son graciously give you all things like that father and the prodigal son putting a robe on his back and sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger and creating a celebration. Uh, Lord, maybe that needs to happen for some people right now that are hearing these words. Whatever that would mean, God, uh, in the privacy of their own homes, that they would sense you, Father, putting a robe on their back, clothing them with your own righteousness in spite of their flaws in their failures, uh, putting sandals on their feet, uh, giving them a renewed sense of authority and uh, dignity, giving them that, that ring of promise that empowers them uh, to live as heirs and children of God. Lord, thank you for your, your touch on our lives right now. Maybe you're hearing these words, hearing this message, and you realize, you know, I've never uh, returned to my Father. I've never allowed my faith uh, to direct me to Jesus Christ in whom all the promises of God are wrapped up. But uh, you know, uh, that's what you need. And uh, there's something in your heart that says, why have I never done that before? I want to lead you in a response to that. Uh, you would just simply say these words out loud or in your own heart. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for what I've heard that you came and died for me that you rose from the dead for me, that you want to live uh, and intercede for me, for my success, uh, that I would learn how to live in the promises of God. I want to open up to that. And so, Lord, I receive your gift. I receive by faith uh, this uh, rightness with God that comes only through your finished work 
on the cross, uh, make me a child, make me a son of uh, God. Uh, Lord, help me from this day forward uh, to begin to live into your promises and to have that personal experience that nothing in life uh, can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I pray that in his wonderful name. Amen.